This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, you're listening to The Power, Andy Knowles, formerly of the Pro Wrestling Rewind on ESPN Radio, and you are listening to WrestleView right here on Phoenix 92.5. Everybody, it's Tuesday here on Phoenix 92.5 FM. Thank you very much for joining me here on Recipe, or if you're listening to this on True Penny Channel, The Wrestling Rewind. My name is Al O'Connor, and while we don't have a, a live show this week, I have two interviews uh, coming your way. A lot of news broke this week, um, and later on I am going to do a show talking about it. Of course, the massive takeover within the WWE creative, Paul Heyman. Eric Bischoff are now pretty much running Rollins back down. I want to get into that in more detail in a couple of days. Uh, but I figured, based on that news, I have two ECW interviews in the vault. Rhino and Tommy Dreamer. What better time than now to break those out, right? So they're going to come up uh, for the rest of the show. Also going to do a review on Fighter Festival, which I haven't actually seen yet the free AEW show so I'm going to have a talk about that as well um, when I actually watch the show so probably going to record it over the weekend and then get that over to James so you guys can uh, can check it out then but this is this is a really interesting show uh, I think these interviews are from 2015 and 2016 so you get a lot of good ECW TNA moments as well, some WWE stuff from both Tommy and Rhino. So uh, check it out here on Review and the Wrestling Rewind here on Near to Know Media, the James Two Penny Channel, and Phoenix ninety two point five FM. Hello. Hey Rhino, how's it going, man? Good. How are you? Uh, uh, thanks for taking time to to talk with me, man. I really appreciate it. What's that? I really appreciate the time you took out to talk with me. Oh no, anytime, anytime. And I'm gonna full disclosure. I am a gigantic fan of yours. You're one of my favorite wrestlers, and that's I'm not just saying. Oh, that. cool. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thanks, man. So I'm kind of intimidated. I'm not gonna lie to you, but still. Oh no, no worries. Um. Okay. So how long do you have? Is ten minutes okay with you? Yeah, ten minutes. Brilliant, mate. All right. Um. Okay. So. Let's start off with your uh, return to NXT and the WWE um, brand. What was it like to come back, and how did it come about? Uh, they really just phoned me up and said, hey, uh, you want to come down to NXT? And I'm like, yeah. And it was uh, maybe a week and then uh, before, and uh, I just booked the flight, the travel, all that stuff, went down there, um, had a great uh, response from the fans. Um you know, and social media was a buzz about 
uh, you know, about my return and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, it was very exciting. I got a holy shit chant from the crowd just <laughs> from uh, coming to the ring. So it was a uh, it was a uh, pretty uh, pretty uh, impactful, you know, personally. Yeah. The, the the reaction very well received. Well, I was one of those fans that w- was incredibly happy when I heard that um you are back. I was like, oh my god, Rhino's back! Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it well, was thank awesome. You. Um, what was it like to be back in the WWE? Because you haven't, you weren't there for nearly ten years. Like, what was it like to to be back yeah. in that system? It was it, it, it still is fun, you know. I and uh, I enjoy the NXT brand. Is uh you know that's what a lot of the fans are talking about. They're talking about NXT this and NXT that, and you know, and all um all positive things too. You know, so yeah. it's just like you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, cause I'm not under contract with them. Oh, okay. um, you know, so I I uh, I still do independent mm. all around the world, but I stay you know, pretty busy in the states, and I like driving. So, um, so the thing is, is you know, first they probably have to put me under contract to go on Raw or SmackDown, but I really enjoy my time working with the guys in NXT and really enjoy the brand and I really enjoy uh you know, their 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 schedule and stuff like that and you know, and I have the freedom to, you know, work with younger guys and uh um outside of the WWE that eventually will be in NXT and you know, and then Raw and SmackDown, and you know, so, and so it's, it, it's fun. It's it, like I've got the best of both worlds, mm. so I'm very blessed. And do you have any desire to go um, to the main roster, or are you, are you happy enough being on NXT? Because I know a couple of the lads down there are happy enough being on NXT. Finn Balor being one of them, like, mm-hmm. um, right now, um, no. But if the opportunity ever arose, I'd I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't want to. Okay. Um, but right now, I'm very comfortable there. Um, one thing I'd like to do is uh, wrestle the, the arena here in Detroit is Bill Lewis Arena. Mm. And I'd like to at least wrestle there one more time before they tear it down. I know they're building a new uh, arena, so I don't know how many more wrestling events they're going to have there. Right. But um, if NXT has no um, plans on going there, I'd like to wrestle either on a Raw or SmackDown. Most likely it would be a live event, but uh, that, that definitely would be a goal because I haven't wrestled there in, uh, oh, geez, probably 11 years. So it's, it's one of those things is more of a, you know, a personal, you know, thing. Mm. So I hope you get as it, man. As far as wrestling the building, not in, you know, for a brand, like whether it's Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, know, so. I get you. I get you. Well, what, what, was, what are some of your favorite matches that you've worked with in NXT? Who are some of the guys that you like to mix it up with? Oh, it's just the the talent there is just incredible. Um, you know, I uh, actually wrestled Samoa Joe. Um, you know, and we we wrestled a few times before um, on the independents and uh, for TNA. But um, I always like you know getting in the ring with uh, Joe and mixing it up. But as far as some of uh, like Finn, uh, so talented, you mm-hmm. know, and just uh, uh, very talented. I mean, being over in Japan for years. You know, and then, uh, you know, and he learned a lot over there. And then just uh, with WWE, he learned so much more. Um, you know, it's just like he took that next step, you yeah. know. And it's kind of like myself, like ECW, you know, and then I took another step, you know. And uh, uh, when I went to WWE and, you know, and, and so on and so forth. You yeah. Know? So then um, as you get older, you take, you know, steps um, as a person you know outside the ring so I get you um but some of us don't <laughs> some <laughs> of us black like we're in our early 20s and we're in our mid 40s you know so i've seen a lot of wrestlers do that but right. anyways um yeah, yeah so so it's just uh like um baron corbin i mean yeah. guys talented um the tag team divisions uh i i really enjoy watching that the women's division is just you know on mm. fire. I mean, they're it's amazing. Yeah. They're, I mean, they've raised the bar, you know, and that, and taking nothing away from the uh, female wrestlers on um, Raw or SmackDown, they don't get a lot of time, you know? Yeah. So, um, and 
you know, but but what happened is, you know, the the female uh, talent in NXT has definitely raised the bar. So on Raw and, and SmackDown, uh, the female talent will. I I'm thinking that more of a uh, opportunity to shine, you know, more so than what they have had. I hope so. so. I think they've just uh, they've just um, they've just uh, set the bar really high, and you know, look look for uh, the main events on you know big shows, you know, from female talent. So yeah, I hope so. I'm, anyway. I'm a big fan of female uh, wrestling, so you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally. I'll tell with you, you I would love to wrestle Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> She's very good. And she tries to scare me. I'll gore. Or, or it might be the other way around. I'll gore her to kick out, nip up, and then spear me. And then it'll be one, two, three. Uh, the crowd will go wild for that, man. I can tell you that much. Oh, yeah. She slapped me in the figure four. But I've uh, I've been training the legs pretty hard lately, so right. might have to slap it on extra tight and grab the rope. <laughs> Only when the ref's not looking. So. But no, she's very talented. Uh, Bailey, you know, is so talented. And, you know, Becky, you know. Mm. Very talented, yeah. So, well, um, just moving away from NXT real quick. Um, you had an amazing run in TNA from 2005 to 2006. Um, I have to say, you had probably my favorite match twice, both in uh, WWE and uh, TNA at Unbreakable in 2005. That match was unbelievable. Have you got any fond memories from working with TNA? Um, yeah, you know what, TNA, uh, um, I wish them well. I, uh, I hope things uh, uh, get squared away as far as like TV. I think they're still on Destination America. Yeah. Um, I don't get it with my uh, uh, provide dish uh, cable or dish provider. But um, thing is, it's just it's one of those things where uh, they they get close to really really dialing it in, and then it seems like they switch the dial. You know and. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they, I mean, let's face it, they've had a lot of great talent and a lot of great memories, you know, and they've created a lot of great memories, um, you know, from guys like Abyss to Samoa Joe to Kurt Angle. You know, obviously Kurt made his name in WWE, but, you know, it's just like guys like Kevin Nash, even Hulk Hogan was there for a little bit. Mm. Um, Sting was there for several years. It's just, you know, a lot of guys, AJ Styles, they created, um, you know, so it's just, you know, and I mean, that's part of my, um, my, uh, history as far as being in this business thing, you know, and I've, I, I really enjoyed working with some of those guys from AJ Styles to Abyss, you know, and, uh, it was Booker T. I worked there and probably one of my, um, top five matches was with Booker over in London. Wow. Actually it was Liverpool. I'm sorry. Well, it's, uh... Uh, yeah, it was. It was just, uh, it was a really good, uh, good experience, you know. Yeah. So, and I did a lot of growing personally too when I was in that part of my life. I was in the uh, TNA. Okay. Um, you were the last ever ECW champion. How yeah. do you, how do you feel about ECW fourteen years later on? You know what? Uh, it, I still have a, a place in my heart you know, for it. When it shut down so sudden, you know, obviously it's kind of like. You know, you walk home and your girlfriend or wife that you love so much is like, I'm done. I'm out of here. It's <laughs> like, what? And then you never see them again? Yeah. You know, and all you left is with video footage of, you know, you guys having fun and, you know, and pictures. And you're just like, you know, it takes a while for that part of your life to, you know, and that piece of your heart to you know, uh, um, to get it under control, you know, and it's for several years I missed it, and, which is understandable. And, you know, and, and I, I, uh, um, so I, and I understand why a lot of the fans missed it too. Yeah. Cause they loved it just as much, you know? Mm. Um, so, so, um, looking back, I mean, it, you know, became part of, a, you know, my memory. Um, it became part of my past because, you know, time, you know? Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Um, I, I really enjoy the fact that, you know, I'm one of very few guys that are still in the wrestling business, you know, and, uh, besides streamer, 
um, Steve Carino, and uh, maybe a, one or two other guys. I mean, and everybody else is, you know, basically retired. You know, Sabu, I think he's full-time still, but mm. other than, you know, a handful, you know, most of the guys might do a one-off show here and there, but, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, I'm, I'm happy to have it part of my path, you know, and it was a, it was a great learning experience for me. Okay. And finally, uh, just before you go, um, would you like to come back over and work in the UK at all? Are you, are you booked for any indies? Or are you going to be part of the, the NXT tour later on this year? Oh, I'd love to be part of the NXT tour. Um, that's in December, right? Yeah. Yeah, because my December schedule is looking pretty light. So, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be over I'd there, so hopefully. Over there. <laughs> no, I, I'm but, looking, uh, looking forward to those shows, so I hope you're on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to be in uh, Scotland for a company called ICW. Yes. Championship Wrestling. Yes, very yeah, popular right now. Uh, oh, yeah, they're, they're very popular. I, um, I really enjoy uh, some of their talent. And, uh, you know, it's just some of their talent is just so funny. You know, there's a lot of great talent. Um, you know, the, the, who's the, who's your favorite there? I like, favorite? Yeah, I like Grado. Yeah. Yeah. He he makes me laugh. Yeah. Uh, he's probably my favorite, too. He's but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's uh, November 15th. Okay. Um, it's going to be their biggest show ever so i think it's in a 5,000 feet arena wow and, uh, yeah so i'm uh i'm hoping i think mick foley's going to be over there too for that so yeah it's going to be a big show so. fantastic I, i'm looking forward to that i really am yeah i hope uh i hope they sell it out because it'll just you know it's something you know um Scotland can be proud of um europe can be proud of you know they have a company you know, so close to home, you know, kind of like ECW. Definitely, definitely. I think that's what they're going for anyway as well, so it works, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and, and they're doing what works for them too. Mm, so. Definitely. Well. All right, man, cheers. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and it was my uh, pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. Take care, man. Take care. Bye-bye. This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, it's JB Jeremy Borash and you are listening to Daryl O'Connor on the... Okay, everybody, this is the Rest of You International Desk here on WVIDesk.com. Now, guys, I have no idea when this is going up. I'm after recording this on the 16th of February 2016 with Tommy Dreamer. But because it's for Total Wrestling Magazine, I have no idea when this will run. So probably sometime in March. So if you're listening to it then, (laughs) it's the future. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, Yeah, very, very interesting interview with Tommy Dreamer. And we talk about everything from his WWE run to his interaction with NXT, his ECW run, um, issues with WWE, returning to WWE, um, House of Hardcore, everything. This is a long one, but a very, very enjoyable one. Guys, this is the rest of you in the National Desk, and here is Tommy Dreamer.
Okay, Tommy. Um, first of all, thank you for taking time to talk with me. Um, I really appreciate it. And let's let's start from the beginning with um, ECW. Um, you're kind of like the you're mostly known for your work in ECW. What was it like to work there, and um, what was your experience with the whole ECW brand, the original ECW brand back in the nineties? Uh, it was, you know, where Tommy Dreamer started. Uh, it was probably the best time of my life and career. And, you know, I grew up in my 20s and, you know, ECW and, you know, watching a company like that grow from pretty much a small indie to, you know, on national television. And, you know, you could actually see the company growing each and every week with, you know, fans' attendance and, you know, we didn't realize it at the time, but uh, we, you know, changed the business. Uh, it's great to be a part of history, and uh, every time I go out there and wrestle, the uh, fans always chant ECW. It's been gone for 15 years. It will be my legacy, and I'm proud of it. Um, what was it like on the ground as a performer in ECW? Like, um, and I know you guys had multiple different jobs within the company as well. What was it like just being there on the ground floor from pretty much day one? Mm-hmm the best and you know you had creative freedom and you could you know watch your character grow and do a lot of things that you want to do and as well as you know doing helping behind the scenes again you were very very you know I was extremely hands-on in the company and just watching yourself and your career take off from it was you know my dream just like it's everybody's dream and to be a star in the company and, you know, again, watch, watching yourself and your career take off and, you know, having pride in your matches and going out there working hard. That's what it's all about. What caused the shift in the nineties from, you know, kind of like the cartoony WWE kind of stuff to the, the, to the more overblown um, stuff in WCW uh, to what, what attracted people to ECW? What, what would you say brought people in and kept them there and made this kind of cult of it? We were just different, you know, at the time in the wrestling business. Uh, it was, you know, in the early 90s, it was very, very cartoonish and had a lot of, you know, gimmicky characters. You know, we went pretty much violence at first and, you know, adult-themed storylines and then, you know, more in-your-face than realistic. And every time... You know, after the violence and doing stuff like with tables, all that stuff, then we went to, you know, we also had great storytelling and a lot of what we did in ECW gets thrown away from WWE because they kind of pushed the violence and the blood. But we were an amazing wrestling company and had some really great wrestlers. And again, it was just different. And we that's what we, you know... Paul Heyman wanted, and and the wrestling fans kind of just got fed up of what they were seeing. You know, we here was this crazy company based out of Philadelphia that was doing something different, and you know, mm-hmm. it kind of through WWE and you know WCW it ignited the Monday Night Wars because they saw what we were doing on a smaller scale and brought it to a much larger audience. Why does ECW get written off as just a violent promotion? In your opinion, back then it didn't. You know, <laughs> uh, again, it was just back then it was something to do. You know, going through tables, and then when everybody's breaking tables and not making it special, you know, we kind of went back to. You know, I'll, I'll never forget we had when we had a lot of creative freedom. Guys, you know, started breaking tables in the first match and the second match, and they didn't have stories. And for a while, Paul just took away everybody from breaking tables and you know we made it mean something and then when you know the everyone in the business started doing it you know we always went a different direction that was from the violent aspect and then we went to hey we have these great wrestlers named Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit and then oh guess what when they leave we have the luchadors and when they leave, we have, you know, Rey Mysterio, Psychosis. And then when they leave, we have Tajiri, Super Crazy, uh, a hybrid between Mexican and Japanese style. We're, again, we're always different, always going against the grain. And, you know, we had amazing stories of, you know, Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, uh, Angle, or, or Taz and Sabu, Sandman, and, I mean, Dreamer and Raven, Sandman, and 
uh, Raven, uh, a lot of stuff like that. What was it like working with those guys? Um, and who was your favorite to work with? Was it Sandman or was it Raven? Uh, Sandman was probably my least favorite <laughs> uh, <laughs> as opponent because we would beat the crap out of each other. You know, tagging with him was awesome. It's still to my day, to this day my favorite entrance in professional wrestling. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I had... I can't say I had a favorite. I mean, obviously, the, you know, me and Raven had a lot of magic, but we had a lot of uh, great. I've had a lot of great matches uh, throughout my career, and especially there. I mean, working with everybody uh, from Taz to Shane Douglas to the Dudleys, um, which you know, Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman versus the Dudleys was the largest money-making feud in the company. We went one year to one year exactly uh, feuding with them to do two pay-per-views a year apart and it was probably the most financial growth of the company well it wasn't the most it was the most and uh, you know we're working Sabu Van Dam Chris Candido I mean I got to work with some of the best Hmm. Ron Simmons Duke Gold Scorpio the list goes on and on how did you Guerrero uh, you name it I got to work them that's that's just the list of guys you're going through and the lengths of feuds you had in ECW how did you how did you manage, and it's going to sound like a weird question, but how did you manage to make the feuds last so long? Because in today's wrestling, you know, feuds seem to last weeks, not years, not even not even a couple of weeks. They're like pay, pro-way pay-per-view matches. Correct. Uh, it was, well, one, we had one hour of television, and before we even had national television, it was one hour, and it's great storytelling, and you think of... It's a different business and just like how uh, professional baseball has evolved and professional football has evolved, you know, uh, the NFL, how how they changed the game. Uh, We, we were, we had some great stories and some really, really good storytellers. And that was, again, part of the business that was missing. You, You know, a lot of people can talk about, great feuds that they saw growing up and then, you know, it does, it gets lost in translation because at times WWE, if you're watching, they don't want you to remember it. It is. It's just so fast moving and it's, you know, here in the States, WWE has what, maybe five to seven hours of original content on television weekly. So it's hard to tell those stories as opposed to us that had one one hour of television a week, so you're able to stretch stretch that feud going along, and, and it's not not something that is new to the business mm. because you know you saw it with famous feuds. I grew up watching, you know, Dusty Rhodes versus Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes versus Kevin Sullivan, and uh, you know stuff like that. It was, it was just it's a different time. I do think it could be done, but not right now. Right. With the current scheme of professional wrestling landscape. Do you think that's because of things like Twitter, uh, the internet, or just the fact that companies don't really get what wrestling is? You know, they, they, they seem to try and make it everything, like WWE, for example, they try to make it everything but wrestling. Yeah. Again, I always said it's the evolving of the business. It, one, it's, I think it would be hard to tell people that, oh, we don't really like each other when, I mean, in ECW, we were old school. In the sense of, you know, you never saw me and Raven hanging out. You never saw, you know, me and Just Incredible hanging out or me and Lance Storm hanging out. Right. Or me and the Dudleys hanging out when we're feuding. And, uh, you know, here you can't post a picture or, or you, there was some real issues between a lot of guys. Or, you know, now if there's a fight in the back, uh, you hear about it mm. more so than, you know, hell, there was a lot of fights in the back of UCW and, you know, social media wasn't. You know, there was the internet. And we also appear, we, in ECW, we never tried to work the fans or try to insult their intelligence. If a guy wasn't at a show, uh, I'll never forget it when, you know, our biggest star, who was the biggest babyface in the company, Sabu, chose to take a looking in New Japan over working the ECW arena. And, you know, he was in the main event and, Man, back then we were just like, wow, you know, this is kind of devastating to the company. And Paul just went out there and told the truth to the, to 
to the fans and he said, hey, uh, Sabu had a booking here. He chose to go work to, for New Japan. He chose another wrestling company over for you, and here's the biggest star. And they started chanting F Sabu, and it turned him, you know, heel. <laughs> and Paul didn't use him until, you know, thankfully Sabu came back because we needed him. And, uh, but again, he, we never lied to our audience. We wow. never, now it's hard because of social media and do all that stuff. Yeah. You know, companies kind of got to go out there and they're forced to tell the truth mm. as opposed to back when we did it. And I think the fans appreciate that. But yes, it is harder to keep a feud, would be to keep a feud running if, you know, under those circumstances. You look at, uh, a great example to me right now is Matt Hardy, who mm. turned heel in TNA, and he's turned heel on Twitter, he's turned heel on Facebook, he's turned heel on Instagram, and uh, he's being a real dick to everybody. So hopefully that helps <laughs> yeah. you know, the Matt Hardy character. Definitely, yeah. Or unless he just has become a dick, but I don't think so. <laughs> Um, we're moving away from ECW to um, your run in WWE, which uh, you know was during the invasion and stuff like that. Let's let's talk about that. What was it like to be in the invasion angle, and how did you feel about swapping over to WWE after being in ECW for so long? Uh, I was after ECW. I was kind of devastated. There was a lot of you know behind the scenes that you know wish didn't happen. And then going to WWE, probably about six and a half months later, was cool. We kind of got the people one more time where they never saw any of that coming with, you know, me and Rob Van Dam starting in WWE uh, was great. And the fans never saw any of that coming. I thought the alliance was great. Then it immediately, you know, I got the, hey, you're not in Kansas anymore from the Wizard of Oz, where this is definitely WWE rules. And uh, I think that whole, you know, from the first pay-per-view, which did phenomenal buy rates to where it was by the next one, the alliance was pretty much being dropped. And there was, you know, myself were just secondary guys and mm. in the alliance you know, merge with WCW, uh, I think it was pretty much booked and handled incorrectly because, you know, you look at the drop-off in pay-per-view buy rates yeah. where it was, you know, hey, I think it was more for WWE to just say, look, we won, we conquered everything, when they could have done a lot uh, more business, better business. Yeah, well, I was... I was 12 when that happened, and I remember it. And I was a big ECW and WCW fan, and I'm like, oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> you know, they just they ruined the whole thing. But, you know, still... A lot of time. Well, uh, you know, my own company, House of Hardcore, is, is based upon no BS, no politics. No politics, no BS, just wrestling. Mm. And I wish that was the case. I think that was a lot to do with, you know, all politics, all BS, and ego. And just be like, look, we won, and, and now what? And you could tell by... You know, you're telling me from your fan reaction. I look at everything in wrestling from a, a championship sport where if pay-per-view buy rates were a great gauge to what the fans were wanting to see, and when you look for that first pay-per-view and the buy rates are through the roof to the second one when we're supposed to be continuing stories and it was just a dramatic drop-off, and there's, there's your proof. Mm. It doesn't always go that way. Well, the the invasion stuff wasn't your first experience in WWE. You had um, a couple of experiences, you know, when ECW was still running, um, kind of promoting the barely the barely legal pay per view. But also, and the one that for me as a fan um, really was like bizarre was when Taz won the ECW belt, um, and he was con right. a contracted WWE guy, and you showed up on SmackDown. Talk to me how that came about because I remember, you know, being a kid sitting down watching. I go, "That's Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> What's Tommy Dreamer yeah. doing?" You know, it was, uh, it was the great. first time we did it. You know, Paul had an agreement with them to help us get, you know, more national exposure. And I was working with Jerry Lawler, and it mm. was, you know, an amazing time in the business because King was hated, and he had real heat when he showed up in the ECW arena. Yeah. And it was kind of for us, what we were being told was a, was a talent swap and would help us get more 
you know, eyes on our product. When we went and did that raw invasion, we were all about different companies. This, you know, this was WWE and we're ECW. And, uh, you know, that we, we did a Monday Night Raw where we invaded at the Manhattan Center and we were not well received by the wrestlers in the back. Even the guys, you know, some of the guys had worked for us, but you know, not because they were just mad we were taking over, you know, their time on Raw, which right. is understandable. And they, uh, you know, it pretty much capped off the anything can happen on Raw. And uh, the second time, uh, what was the second time that you said? And uh, to when Taz won the ECW title, and you showed up at SmackDown. Oh yeah, well that was the first the first time you know that first invasion. The second one was you know Mike Awesome he had jumped to WCW with the ECW title. Uh, we actually had federal U.S. marshals go and confiscate the title, and you know Paul had a lot of loopholes and contracts, and he had to have you know Mike come back in and drop it. Paul had sued WCW. He had brought in Taz, who had left ECW uh, to pretty much... I mean, again, we made history, if you think about it. It was a guy from WCW, a guy from WWE, and a guy from ECW all taking part. Uh, They were no longer... You know, they were not under contracts in one company. They were two separate companies. Mm -hmm. They had to work with each other. That was a hairy situation. Uh, WCW actually had cops and armed guards around Mike because Paul didn't want him in our dressing room. We had to actually meet in a hotel wow. down the block to go over stuff. And me and Taz were, we really didn't care, but you know, I guess Mike had feared for his life because we were crazy ECW guys. Mm. They had the match. And then, you know, after that later, I beat Taz the, the week later uh, at the arena to win the title. And then, you know, shortly after that, I lost it. Um, that was a deal between, you know, Paul had a deal with Vince pretty much the whole time ECW was around and, uh, you know, that was one of the, it worked out, worked out in everybody's favor and, you know, made some history. Yeah. It's one of those moments that, you know, we'll never see again. And I, I think if the invasion had been something a bit more like that, um, people would have liked it a lot more, but even to this day, you know, when people are talking about Tommy Dreamer and WWE to me. Um, they're one of the big moments that you're like, yeah, that was that was really cool. But you know, it's um, it's just something I had to talk to you about because I remember just being a, being a fan of being like, yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> but um, well, even you know, I always say to myself, and for me, you live for those moments in WWE, mm-hmm. and the best part, you know, if you're unhappy with the product today or unhappy with any product, don't, to me, don't watch it. Uh, instead of being negative on social media or, or, you know, bitching about it, and that's what, you know, pretty much everybody does, to me, just don't watch it. Mm. And then, or support it. I have uh, TiVo. I watch what I like. I fast forward what I don't like. Yeah. And um, to me, there's always these moments, and what I hold on to as a fan, because I am still a huge fan, that stuff can change and it could change in, in, a, in a blink of the eye. When I just recently showed up in WWE on Monday Night Raw, everyone was going crazy about mm. it. And, uh, you know, one, because it was kept a complete secret, mm. which was by me. And it was, again, another moment where people were like, whoa, you know, and again, you never know what could happen. But to me, if you just stay a fan and not be so critical, all the time, just it, it. You should just take it for what it's worth. You know, it, leave your troubles at home. Uh, watch television, enjoy it. If you don't, again, don't like what you see, just don't watch. But to me, I always will support wrestling. Yeah, it's kind of kind of a lot of crappy wrestling. <laughs> I see a lot of good wrestling. I I see things that I wouldn't do if I was in charge. But I just go move ahead, move forward, and. You know, I hope for those moments, and I've had a lot of those great moments in my career, as well as, you know, great moments in WWE. You know, I did 10 years there. Would I have loved to have been champion? Sure, but it's uh, it's not my decision. It's, you know, it's predetermined. Hmm. They have their guys who they like, and, if, you know, that's it. 
And so, cool. Could I have been world champion? Sure. Uh, there's a lot of guys who could have been world champion, but not unless they see it in you. Yeah. Um, and it's, that's how this business is. Paul Heyman saw something special in me. The fans always saw something special in me. I don't know if Vince McMahon saw that in me. He saw enough in me to, you know, bring me back. Also, have a job for 10 years and at times give me some amazing moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, me versus Rob Van Dam at Madison Square Garden. Main event in Madison Square Garden. We were the last match on Monday Night Raw when we united the hardcore title and the intercontinental title. And great match. To me, that was, that was awesome. Yeah, that was a great match. Uh, or, or then even bring back the new ECW. Mm. It wasn't what it was, uh, but I got to have a lot of cool moments where, hey, I got to work WrestleMania. I got to do a lot of cool things in my career, and, and I'm very, very happy for that. Or even just coming back recently. Very, very cool to do it. Very cool to shock the world again. And, you know, stuff like that is to me very, very cool. And or, you know, we just had a, a nice moment for AJ Styles, you know, show up at the Royal Rumble. And, you know, then he's having some great matches with Chris Jericho. That's awesome. Uh, it's awesome as a fan. It's awesome as, a, you know, me as a fan of Jericho and a fan of AJ. Got to work with both of them. Just watching those two guys go out there and have a great match. To me, that's what this business is about. And if you don't like the other filler stuff, just click the old fast forward button because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. How how do you feel about uh you mentioned AJ Styles there and you know working with with him and other TNA guys? How do you feel about your time in TNA and the company as a whole? I enjoyed TNA. Um, when I went uh, there the first time, I was very very hell bent on change, and then uh, you know I got to other moments I forgot to talk about was used every one night stand. Oh yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. That was a great first great, one. Great pay per view, yeah. Uh, I got to write that whole pay per view. I got to agent, you know, the whole match, every match. Um again, moments like that. Uh or even the second one where, you know, me and Mick Foley are tagging I'm sorry, me and Terry Funk are tagging against Edge and Mick Foley with mm. Lita and I have Beulah with me and, and you know just seeing a pack Hammerstein Ballroom or, you know, it's kind of got to walk through, you know, uh, a time machine or, you know, going back to TNA and I was hell bent going back there, uh, enjoying it got to pretty much have closure with ECW and, you know, I wrote the Hardcore Justice pay-per-view and, you know, I got to work AJ Styles. I enjoyed uh, my first tenure there. Mm. It was, you know, same thing with a lot of guys. I feel they want to go in there and, you know, give it their all and do the best they can. And it's just, you know, you run into the same type of politics, same type of BS that you were in, in WWE. It's just, you know, a lesser scale. Uh, But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all my matches. Uh, I have no problem there. And when I recently went back and was helping out behind the scenes, I'll do the best that I can to help any wrestling company because I love I love wrestling. Well, there is um, on this side of the world, you know, I know you have your House of Hardcore uh, pay-per-views and shows over there, which, you know, I've checked out a bunch of them and they're, they're fantastic. But over here, uh, you're involved in the UK scene and I believe you have a show coming up this weekend. Um, how do you, how do you feel about the whole UK wrestling scene over here, which is experiencing a huge boom at the moment? But also, uh, can you talk to me about the show you're working this weekend? Uh, I'm very very uh, I keep very very close tabs on what's going on all over wrestling, and uh, you know I know the popularity of you know over in Scotland, and they had a huge house, and there's a lot of very very talented wrestlers over there. I think it was kind of I want to say, I don't want to say the word revolution, but for a while, you know, the UK wrestling had some of the greatest wrestlers of all time. You know, you look at the Fit Finleys, the William Regals. Um, you look at all those guys from, you know, that, that catch wrestling era and all the, you know, famous wrestlers from the UK and then it kind of died and it dwindled. And then I remember going over there for some indies and, you know, you'd always heard 
about the UK scene, and there was a lot of crappy wrestlers out there. And same here in the States, but UK always had more of a prestigious, you know, for for guys who were great wrestlers. And I remember I went there a few times. I was like, ooh, what happened here? And you had your diamonds in the rough where, you know, your Doug Williams mm. uh, and guys like that who were great technical wrestlers. And then all of a sudden, to me, it became, there's this big boom on all these amazing wrestlers. I saw it because some of the first people I hired when I was working in WWE were, you know, from the UK. And there's just, there's been an explosion of great wrestlers there within the last six to eight years. And I'm happy because, you know, uh, I think ECW also spurned a lot of garbage wrestling and a lot of garbage. Uh, I think a lot of guys looked at either myself or the Sandman and said, Hey, I could put on some sweatpants and go out there and become and say I'm a wrestler. You know, there was, there's a lot more to it. Yeah. But uh, now there's a huge explosion of great workers out there and the fans are, I vote me personally. I've always loved working in the UK mm. because the fans, they don't get it as much as here in the States. Yeah. I want to say they're more thankful for it. <laughs> that's, and they that's have true, so yeah. much of a better time. Yeah. And I don't think they take it too seriously. Mm. I was always received so well there and just, you know, from my time in ECW, but, um, I love going there and, and their rowdiness and their chance. I think it's awesome, you know, after WrestleMania, because there's so many fans coming to the U from the UK to, you know, the US, and I get to meet a lot of them when I do these conventions, but it's just the entire dynamic of Monday Night Raw changes, even when they go to the UK, and, you know, I love that, because the fans are very, very truthful, and they'll tell you who they want to see, and if they don't like it, I mean, they've turned their back to the audience, which is great, <laughs> uh, you know, to the camera, they've mm. chanted other things, I love that, I do, because it's different, and it's, to me, if you're giving a great product, they will stay and watch it, if you're not giving the, it's, it's about reading your audience, if you're not giving them what they want, they have every right to do it. Yeah. How do you feel about um? Do you do you know who you're facing the, this weekend? Or I've never heard of Target Wrestling before, so I I, I was surprised. No, to I, hear. Know, I know nothing. I know I'm tagging with Grado one night. Okay. Night. I know uh, nothing about anything, but that's okay. not <laughs> uncommon for me. I usually just show up and who you're wrestling, and we take it from there. Okay. I hope everybody I'm working is really really good because, uh, you know, just turned forty five. Right. And I want. All I really have now for myself is uh, I aspire just to still have great matches. Okay. And I love going out there and performing, and I love to go out there and, and tear the house down. And a lot of times I'm still doing that, and, and I want to continue to still do that. Because I know, again, I'm 45 years old. My career is on the tail end, and I... I don't want people to ever look at me and be like, Ugh, what happened to Tommy Dreamer? And I want to be like, whoa, Tommy Dreamer, he still can go. And, you know, okay. I have pride in my work. Okay. Well, that's one thing that a lot of people can say for you, Tommy. Your your matches never disappoint. And um, as a fan, anyway, I've been a fan probably since day one uh, when I started watching wrestling. Of right. you, so, and, you, know. you know, it's cool, especially going back to Monday Night Raw and competing with some of the best wrestlers you know, in the world and just still being able to go on, you know, was never the quickest wrestler, but still be able to put together, you know, great matches or, or as well as work with guys that have never worked before. And it's just, it, it ignites me and it makes me, uh, want to step up my game. And it, it, it's funny. I, I can see a lot like how Terry Funk, you know, Terry Funk came to ECW. He was older than me when, and what he did for our company then. And, and I'll look back at like, wow, I'm kind of fitting that mode now. Mm. It's an honor because he's my mentor, but it, it's, I would also say, man, because I'm sore as crap afterwards. And, you know, I'm not doing moonsaults into a crowd, you know, in my fifties. Uh, I will do one, but I will wait till my fifties to do it. Just like the funker. God help whoever <laughs> has to catch me. But, um, it's again, it's contributed back to the business because that's I was blessed mm. in ECW 
I'd come back through that curtain and I would have Terry Funk. I would have Paul Heyman. I would have Mick Foley. I would have Kevin Sullivan all come back watching the match and telling me what I did wrong, what I did right, what I could keep on doing, mm. you know, and how could you not learn from that? As well, that's why I kind of always want to give back to it. Yeah. Well, you know, um, speaking of which, and the final question I have for, before I let you go, how do you feel about NXT, which seems to be drawing a lot of this, um, I don't want to say ECW vibe, but it, it does have the most buzz around the internet. It's the only thing that, as you said, people aren't bitching about on the internet. I mean, I work there. Um, I like it a lot. And like I said uh, earlier, you, you know, you should watch what you like and you never know when it can change. There's a lot of buzz on guys when they come up and then they come up to the main roster. They're not so much. Just because guess what? Hey, they're, I don't want to say they're different bosses, but yes, there are different bosses. And, you know, you look at somebody like a Neville who is so amazing in the ring and, you know, did some great stuff in NXT and not doing some great stuff on the main roster. It's just because, hey, he's got a different boss. Okay. Or if someone sees something different in him. Uh, I love, I enjoy the product. I enjoy the difference of it. At times, I, you know, for me, having my own company, there's a lot of guys that have worked for me and now they're in NXT and I can't use them. So that's a crappy part. But and not saying that they were you know stolen from me or anything like that because they were working on a lot of indies. But you know, for my own company, there's been a lot of guys that I was using on a constant basis. Mm. And you know, oh, this one now they're in NXT, so take this. But they can continue to you know keep on sites. There's a lot of wrestlers out there and a lot of talent out there, and you just got to keep on moving forward. Brilliant, Tommy. I want to thank you so much for your time, sir. I uh, really appreciate it, and uh, it's been an honor and a privilege to talk to you. No problem, man. Hope to bump into you on there. I appreciate it. And again, you know, if there's a, a main message for this is how much myself, I'm still a fan, and I appreciate the fans' passion and heart and passion for the business. And we all want change, and we all want to go out there and, and have, you know, watch the what we love. And... I've been fortunate enough to do it. I'm happy to be performing back in the UK. I don't know when I'll be back, but if you're available to come see me this time, this, you know, uh, the best part about my life now is when you're in ECW, I was always in, in the rush of trying to succeed in the company. And when you're in WRE, it's just you land, you go to the hotel, you go to the arena, it's travel, travel, travel. But now I'm able you sit and talk to the fans and you know I listen to their stories and it's been able to see my life's work come, come to fruition and you know people have told me how myself or ECW have or wrestling have affected their lives and I love hearing that stuff so if you're able to come out and see me please do definitely and, uh, I appreciate you just as much as you appreciate me that means a lot dude and I'll, I'll definitely have to catch you at some point anyway as well so um, I look forward to it cool man cheers man take care thank you okay guys that's gonna do it for this edition of WrestleView here on Phoenix 92.5 FM WrestleView.com and NerdToKnowMedia.com here on WrestleView